0: Start in verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to sim- to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Oh Well, good morning everyone. It's good to be with you guys here. Um, Again, my name is Brett Kinberg. I'm the Connections Pastor here at Red Hills Church. Um, And I have the opportunity and the privilege uh, to continue on in our series called The Upside Down Kingdom. And thank you, Pastor Kate, for reading the passage for us today. Um, I want to do a a little bit of catch up from where we have been and where we're going um, in this passage. Uh, The first week we came in and Pastor Lane uh, recited the entire Sermon on the Mount from memory. Really cool. He wasn't trying to flex or anything like that, but he was just trying to give us the opportunity to to sit in the space and actually put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who might have been there when Jesus first gave this Sermon on the Mount. Um, it's a really cool message, and if you, if you weren't able to be with us, I highly encourage you to watch that online, because it's really powerful to put yourself in those shoes and, and to hear it as if you were hearing it for the first time. Um, but the next week, Pastor Lane came in. He began to talk about the B attitudes, right? The blessed are they, blessed are they. Um, and he finished off the intro to the Sermon on the Mount with how we are to be salt and light in this world. I believe that it's important to know where we start because when we know where we're starting, we know the lens at which we should look at the rest of this, this series because how you start and how you end a thing is very important. If you've, if you've done any uh, theological study, you know that, that, that the law of first mentions is very important and how we close is also very important. So as, as we begin with the Beatitudes, we see how Jesus is framing up this upside-down kingdom. It's different, it's a different way of thinking, it's a different way of living than the, 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 the customs and the life and the culture that people were used to in their day. And then last week, Pastor Kate jumped up here and uh, we gave her really light subjects like uh, murder, fornication, and divorce. You know, really light stuff. Um, so thank you for taking that, Kate, I appreciate that. Um, but in all of this, Jesus began to point out the fact that the Ten Commandments, right? The, these, these laws that were given to the Israelite people were not about just their outward actions. It was not just about don't go kill somebody. But Jesus began to tell them, I say that if you have hatred towards someone in your heart, then it's as if you're committing murder, right? Right? So Jesus goes from the action and actually gets to the heart of the issue. Where does this stem from? And again, he said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, right? Don't go sleeping around. But I tell you, if you look at someone lustfully and continue to dwell on that, then you are committing adultery in your heart. It's a very important thing that we're, we're, we're beginning to sense a theme that's, that's coming through these things and, and even as we go through divorce, he said, Moses gave you this law of divorce because of your hardened hearts. And so then we get to what we're talking about today, which is making oaths, right? He said, you have heard it said that you should, that you should, that you should not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. This statement carries a lot of weight. And he goes on to talk about not swearing by heaven or by the earth or even by the hairs on your head, because you can't turn them white or gray, unless you have just for men, which I do. So um, in, in, in this, we, we recognize that God is speaking not just to the outward action, but he is speaking to the heart with which we perform those actions. So before we get into culture, before we begin to like open up the scriptures and get into the hermeneutics and all all the fun stuff that's in there, let's pray. Because I believe that this morning, the most powerful thing that we could experience is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws men to repentance or what? That's heart change. That's not just mind change, that's heart change. And so today, we're going to ask for Holy Spirit to come in and to speak to you individually through what is being said. Because I believe that when we receive it in that way, that God can change our lives and change the way we live. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity and the privilege to be here. God, I treat this position with honor that it is due. God, standing on this platform is is something weighty. God, as a, as a teacher of your word, God, I recognize that I, I will give account for every word that is said. So Father, right now I'm asking you to put a guard on my mouth, that what I would say would be the words from heaven, anything of my own intellect or, or, or self-promotion, God, I, I pray that it would fall by the wayside. Any words that come from you, Father, I pray that they would go deep onto the hearts of those that hear them. I pray that your word would go out freely unhindered, that it would make a difference in the people in this room and those that are there watching online. God, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would use these words to transform lives. This is my prayer this morning. This is my plea. God, I'm asking for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now we're ready to go. Okay. So as we get into this, we have to understand that Jesus was looking at these people and he's, he's, he's teaching a people that culturally have a mandate on how they are to swear the truth, right? We, we see that in our day and age, right? We, we put a hand on the Bible. I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Right? That's, that's, that's our cultural context. In their context, they literally had like levels of severity, Um, in this we see don't swear by heaven or by earth or by your own head. But Jesus even goes on later in Matthew to talk to the Pharisees and, and to tell them he says, he says, woe to them because they're, they're swearing by the gold that is on the temple walls. And they say, that is important. If I swear by the gold on the temple, then it carries weight. But if I swear by the temple itself, well then eh, maybe it'll happen if I get around to it, if it's convenient. Jesus looks at them and he goes, what are you thinking? The gold, it might look good, but the thing that makes the temple precious is the fact that it is the place that my Holy Spirit dwells. And Jesus looks at them and judges their heart and says, your heart is in the wrong place. You're looking at the outward appearance when what I'm concerned about is your heart. Same thing, he he looks at them again and, and, and says, you swear by what is on the altar, and if you swear by what's on the altar, then it carries weight. But if you swear by the altar itself, well, eh, might happen, might not. And he says, what, what, is, of worth, what is of more worth? Is it the sacrifice on the altar or is it the altar that makes it holy? The, hal- the altar is the thing that is dedicated to, to God. The thing that is on the altar is made holy by the altar that it is on. Again, he's looking at their heart, saying, you're saying that you are with me, but your hearts are far from me. And that is why when Jesus looks at this, he's he's saying, you swear oaths, but your oaths do not carry weight. So simply at the end of it, he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You see, Jesus in most of his teachings did not feel the need to communicate the severity in his teachings. In fact, he didn't swear a ton of oaths. If you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you don't see Jesus saying, I swear by the temple that blah, 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 and so on and so forth. In fact, Jesus made a statement. He said, go ahead and tear down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. Of course, he was speaking to when he would be crucified, but okay, we'll move on. Um, and, and, And so in all of this, we see Jesus not feeling like he has to qualify what he's saying by the swearing of oaths. Why is this? Well, as Jesus worked and, and moved in his culture. He even told the disciples this this little thing. He said, I don't do anything that I want to do. I only do those things that I see my father doing. I don't do my own will. I do the will of the one who sent me. And, and, and this is why it's important when he says, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. Because when we swear something, we're not swearing it to the person even in their culture, they weren't swearing to the person. They were saying, I swear on something that God has qualified that I will do this. And Jesus says, simply let your yes be yes and your no, me, no. Why? Because God knows the intents of our heart. He knows where we're headed. See, the significance of this is that Jesus was not trying to do away with the law, even though he's telling them, hey, you know, all of these 613 Levitical laws... I don't need you to know every single one of them and to live according to that and be perfect in your life in order to be made righteous. As believers, we recognize that Jesus did that himself and fulfilled the law so that we didn't have to do that. But Jesus did say this. What this means for us today is that Our job is to believe that what Jesus did was enough to qualify us for righteousness. And therefore, we can enter into what Jesus said as the most important command. And that is this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength. When we love God, when we have given God our heart, then his will is of priority to us right? This, when we love God, our hearts are inclined to his will. When I say yes to something, this gives me the opportunity to please God, not because I said yes, but because I have his will in my heart, right? When I say no to something that gives me an opportunity to please God, why? Because I'm thinking of his will first, your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. In order to know the will of God, we have to be after the heart of God. And that is why when Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no mean no, he's he's inclining them towards God. He's not saying do this so that you can communicate to people and and tell the truth to people, although that is important, but your vows when you make them are, are upheld by God, not by you. Or, well, you are to uphold your vows. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm confusing language here. Let's move on. Okay, so as, as, as we look at this, we, we see that, that the intent of the heart is so important when we say yes or when we say no. And, and, and what gives this even more gravity is the fact that when Jesus died and he rose again, he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of us. This now makes us the temple right? The thing that they used to swear by, the thing that carried value for them, we are now made the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we say yes, we should say yes, empowered by that same Holy Spirit. In fact, in Galatians, it says this. Galatians gives us this this clear picture of how we are to walk in the righteousness that Jesus is asking here. Because we've, we've come through all of this process. We've seen the past couple of weeks of how, it, how important it is to be salt and to be light and to be people of integrity, to honor our vows, to not commit murder and adultery and all of these things. Why? Because we are the temple of God. And he says this in Galatians, it says, Live according to the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What spirit is this? Well, in John, he goes on to say that the spirit of God is the spirit of all truth. And this is why when Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no mean no, he is saying, speak truth, not lies. Because when you speak lies, then you're actually inviting the enemy's kingdom to come in. When you speak truth, you're inviting God's kingdom to come in. Problem is, is sometimes the, these truths that God is asking us to speak are, are, are a little bit hard. They go against the grain, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, I was trying to get rich. I thought I was supposed to be happy. Um, Blessed are the meek. Wait, wait, the, the weak, the meek. What, what, what are you saying? You know, I mean, all of these things, they're contrary to our own, our own sinful nature. Our nature is tries to make us run after and chase after. Um, lost the word. Yeah, and I'm supposed to be speaking, right? Um, so so <laughs> as, 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 as we live our life, we are trying to protect ourselves, right? We, we are trying, the, the, the word literally totally left me, and of course it wasn't one that I had in my notes. So um, uh, as, as we try and protect ourselves, we have, we have this nasty tendency to stretch truths. Our culture is one of misdirection and half truths. When we look at this, we, we, we see this idea that if I can sell a lie with, with conviction and, and I can really make you believe what I am saying, then I actually have the ability and the power to control the way you think. Because if I can get you to believe a lie, Well, now I have the power to lead and to guide and and to maybe even get authority, right? Self-preservation is the word I was looking for. Sorry, it just popped into my brain. Um, And so (laughs) in all of this, when when we recognize that self-preservation or as, as we want to succeed in life, this ability to preserve oneself and one's standing and even one's authority is dependent upon what we can convince people of. And this is what the culture was using years and years and years ago. They were saying, well, I can swear by this and I can convince you that I'm telling the truth because of what I'm swearing on. And Jesus is saying, no, that's your way of doing things. I have a different way. And in our culture, if we can convince people of anything, then we can get away with it. You know, I I gave the example of swearing in a courtroom, but we also see this even in politics, right? Right? Um, and, and I know I say the word politics and everybody's like, ah, um, but, but we see even the president, he's sworn in, right? When, when the president is elected and then, and then they have this ceremony, he goes and he says, I swear to do the best by my country, right? In other words. And so as, as, as he begins to walk into that, sometimes we see that happen, sometimes the things that they promise don't come through, and and we're left going, wait, what's the truth here? Did you say yes or did you say no? You said yes, but you didn't do it, so where are we left? What are we left with? And because of the misdirection and the half-truths in our culture, then it leads us to this place where when we say that Jesus is the Lord, that he died for our sins and rose again, people go, well, that's your view of things, but my view is different. Because it's my truth. What empowers our yes to mean yes and our no to mean no is that we live our lives according to the truth, which is the word of God. The reason it carries weight and power is because when we say yes, we follow through. Now, yes, we are human and sometimes we miss the mark. Uh, My wife was in in, in the first service and I said, you can ask her, I miss the mark all the time. Um, you know, there are things that I say yes to that sometimes I can't follow through with because I've said yes to too many things, right? And, and, and sometimes we all have that problem. We, we want to say yes to everyone, and then we can't follow through with our yes because we've said yes to too many people. Or maybe we just say no because we don't want to be held responsible for doing it. But when God asks us to move in and to love those around us, he's asking us to say yes. (laughs) This self-preservation, I I have an interesting story about this. You guys want to hear it? Okay, yeah, good. Um, So, well, because I'm going to tell it anyways. But but thank you for your agreement. I appreciate that. Um, when I was 11 years old, I had, uh, this experience me and a buddy of mine, we were, we were out hanging out and, and, uh, we're heading to a buddy's house and we're in the middle of this big field. We're out where we had built a fort in the midst of this big field. And we're like, you know, what sounds really good right now? A campfire. Any little kids like to play with campfire? Any big kids like to play with fire? You know, okay, yeah, there's a couple in here. Um, and so we're like, okay, yeah, we're going to make a campfire. It's going to be awesome. So we, we do the fire safety thing, right? We clear out at least a foot around the fire, right? Okay. Um, and so we're, 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 we're getting ready to build this fire. Now, mind you, it's 102 outside. It's the middle of the summer in the middle of the daytime. Why would we need a fire? I don't know. Um, we're, we're 11 years old and we have a lighter, so we need a fire. Um, and so we, 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 light this, we light this brush or we light the grass on fire and we're like, oh, this is cool. We've got a fire going, much better than this one. And, uh, and, so, and, and, and I go, okay, it's going to burn out. It's burning down too quickly. So I grab this big branch full of dried leaves and I drop it on top of the fire. 11-year-old me was really intelligent. Um, And so as it spills over the boundary lines, which we've created for it, um, and all of these cinders start lighting this field on fire, me and my friends, me and my friend, I have one with me, we start stomping on this. We're trying to put it out. We're like, oh, no, get it out, get it out. All of our leg hair is gone. He's tried to use this blanket to like put it out. That thing catches on fire. And we we are at the point where we're like, it's past the point of containment. We can no longer contain this. So we walk away. We don't run like we should have. We walk away. Um, And as we're walking down this dirt road, we just have like this sinking feeling in our stomach like, oh God, what did we just do? We get... Uh, a a couple hundred feet away, we turn around and there's just plumes of this black smoke behind us. And we're like, oh, great. And so as we're walking, we look over at our friend's house, uh, the one that we're heading to, and all of our other friends come running out with their hands on their head. Oh my gosh, Brett and -and so-and-so lit the field on fire. Oh my gosh. And so we're like, and turning around. And so we go in the opposite direction. We're like, we don't need to hang out with these guys. Um... We get, uh, we walk through the smoke. We have to kind of like make our way around it now because it's spreading. And uh, we walk through the smoke and pop out on the other side. And there's a crowd of onlookers in this cul-de-sac on the other end of the field that we're heading towards. And of course, these two little 11-year-olds with smoke trails going up their faces. They're like, okay, hi, what's going on? Um, and, uh, you know, we, we walk. And as we see these people, me and my buddy, we look at each other and we go, okay, we got we to get our story straight. Right, we saw the troublemaker in the neighborhood out here smoking cigarettes. That's what we're going to blame it on, right? So we walk. Yes, I did not tell the truth. I told a lie. Uh, we 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 got our story, and we would have sworn on a stack of Bibles it was this guy, right? And we get to this crowd of people, and we're hanging out, and they're like, "What happened? What happened?" You know, and and so we start telling our story, right? We sell it with as much conviction as we can muster. And then somebody says, but he's at his grandma's house. He's not even here in town. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, we're in trouble. So we we start going, okay, okay, you know, and, and, you know, so we leave this crowd of people because we're like... they they obviously know we're lying too. So um, the fire department has has since showed up. They're containing the fire, so no homes were burnt, no animals were hurt in the making of this film. Um, it, it was all good. Nobody got hurt. Um, the fire department contained the, I don't know, seven acres by the time we were done with it, um, fire, and uh, something like that. Um, and And so... <laughs> We're, we're walking away, and we're like, they're, they're going to come talk to us. We know this is going to happen. So we're walking away, and we're like, we got to come up with a different story because this guy's not in town. Um, so we start saying, okay, here's a good story. We're going to say we found a lighter, right? We tried the lighter. It didn't work, so we took it, and we threw it out in the middle of the field. We walked away, and officer, I don't know what happened. We turned around, and it was on fire, Really good story, right? We sold that one with probably a little less conviction than the first one. But this is the story that we told the fire department. They went to my buddy's house first um, and they asked me where I lived. And I'm like, yeah, right around the corner, 2783 Road, 35 and a half Madera, California, 93638. You know, I'm right over there. Um, you know, yeah. Hope you, if you got that online, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I tell them where I live and I walk, I walk home. I walk in the front door, I open the door, close it, and my mom's in the living room. I don't even look at her. I, I keep walking and I say, I'm grounded for three weeks, I'm going to my room, by. And, and I sense her just get up like, wait, what? What just happened? A Few seconds later, I hear, my mom steps outside. To this day, I still don't know how that conversation went with the fire marshal. <laughs> But I do know this, that my mom walked into my room and she said, "Um, let's add two more weeks onto that, and do you have anything to say for yourself? And I said, nope, I'm set out. I have said all of the things that I can say, and I'm done. This makes my point of self-preservation, right? 11-year-old me is a very, like, sinful nature, self-preservation, I will survive, I will survive, you know. Um, And so in, in this, we all do this, right? We all want to do what we think is best for us. When we go through life, we try and do the things that are gonna make us look good in the eyes of others. We try and do those things that will get people to trust us. Why? Because we want to be well thought of. We want to be those people that can be depended upon. The problem is when self-preservation kicks in and we're like, well, but I'm tired and I don't have time for that. And I had a long day at work, so Kate, can you just take Peter and like go play Legos or something, please? I'm tired. Self-preservation kicks in and then we forget our oath that we have made to the Lord. We, we forget that we've said yes to following Jesus. And, and, and the problem is that even in our religious culture that we have created, even in the church world, religion tries to tell you that if you can do it right, if you can cross all the T's and dot all the I's, then you can be trusted. The problem is we are sinful human beings. And we will always fall back on self-preservation if we don't have something which is very needed, and that is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will ask us to do things that don't make sense. He will ask us to go help someone when we're too tired. He will ask us to give to somebody in need when we are in need ourselves. Why? Because God needs us to be salt and light in the world around us. So when Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. What he's saying is, will you say yes to me? Because that's truly the only yes or no that matters in this world. Because it's the only yes and no that can affect our eternity. If you would, go ahead and take out your communion elements. We're gonna talk about this for a second. I, I don't want you to open it but I just want you to hold that in your hand. Because in our life, we are asked by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount to make a change, to be people of integrity, that when we say yes, we follow through. Because when we say yes to this, then we become agents of the kingdom. And the truth is, is that when we, tell yes, when we say yes to somebody else, if we don't follow through with that, then we are not bringing shame on ourselves, but on the kingdom. As believers, we're called to be people of integrity that honor our word because that gives glory to God. And that gives glory to his son that paid the highest price, that said yes to us. And what he's saying is, are you going to say yes back? Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took his bread and he blessed it. And he passed it to those disciples that were around him. And he said, this is my body that is being broken for you. And even the man who would betray him was in the room. He still said, yes. When he took the cup and he passed it, he said, this is my blood being poured out for you, a new covenant. And and in this, he was not just saying I'm I'm giving you some hope to live by. He said, this is what I'm saying yes to. And when self-preservation tried to kick in in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, God, it's hard to be a man of my word. If this cup can pass from me, please take it. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And this is what he said yes to. Paul says when we get ready to take these elements that we are supposed to search our own hearts and to judge our own lives. The words that that I'm communicating today have some weight behind them. And I don't apologize for that. It's a weighty message to say yes to Jesus. But if there's areas in your life that you need to ask forgiveness for, We said it just a couple weeks ago, leave, leave your gift and go make reparations with that person before you come back and receive that and and give that gift. Today, as we take this, I'm going to give us just a few minutes of silence so that we can reflect. Is there anything that you need to get right in your heart? And maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We're going to give you that opportunity today. Romans says this, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. That word Lord means he's the master of my life. It means not my will, but his be done. And so some of us, we need to come to grips with that today. We need to make a decision. Are we going to make him our Lord today? We can call him savior all day long, but his lordship should still be supreme in our life. So when Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no mean no, we're empowered to do that with these elements right here. I'd like to give you some time to reflect on this and then we're gonna go back into a song of worship. The song simply says this, I am available. We're gonna offer that up as a gift today. After we reflect and we take our elements.